I want to uh, touch on this subject, and, and I've just entitled this, I've Been Thinking. Look at the person beside you and say, have you been thinking? Just, just ask them, have you been thinking? I bet you have. I bet stuff runs through your head all the time. What could happen? What might happen? What should happen? What did happen? It's always something that, that as soon as you get one thought out, another one bombards you. And what we call this in, in our minds is a place of safety. And the craziest thing is, is that when people ask about America, or they talk about all that's going on and everything. I'm going to tell you the biggest problem we have is that if you don't and don't have the ability to shut down what you're thinking, then there never really is a safe place to be. You may say to yourself, I just need to be alone. When you get alone, does that fix it? No, the thoughts are still there. Oh, I, I, just need, I just need to go hang out with some friends. And they may have enough noise going for a while that keeps you occupied, but then sooner or later, safety then has to be something a lot more than just simply what we call being safe. I know all the commercials out right now. If you get an iPhone 15, titanium, let me explain it to you. It won't make you safer. You'll have more stuff to look at, more apps and more games, and maybe you'll come up with some cool stuff, but sooner or later, you'll realize I'm not safe. So I grew up in a time where we didn't lock doors. I mean, it's amazing how at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, it's time to go to bed. And you know what we did at 9 or 10 o'clock? We went to bed. We just all went to bed. And nobody said, did y'all lock the door? Hey, did y'all turn the alarm on? Did, y'all, did, did you read about what happened? You sure didn't turn on the 10 o'clock news and see how many people got shot in Jackson. We just went to bed. Why? Because there was safety within our minds. And because there was safety in our minds, we could shut it off. Listen to me very carefully. Some of you in this room, it's not about you not trying harder. It's not about you not being a good person or you not. It's the fact of if you don't get this right, as they old saying, between your ears, no matter where you're at, who you're married to, what you're doing, where you go eat tomorrow, none of that is going to create within your life a feeling of safety, a feeling that it's going to be okay. Go with me in your Bibles to 1 John 4 and 18. Here's what, here's what 1 John 4 and 18 says from the Apostle John. There is no what? Fear in where? Not in, not in ADT, not in any type of security system, not in deadbolts, not in... There is no fear in love. Part of the reason you struggle is because when you think of the world, you don't think of love. You look at the person beside and you say, look, there's a lot of crazy people in this world. You better lock your door, or you better get a gun, or you better do this, you better do that. John says, listen, there's no fear when there's love, but perfect love casts out all fear. So if somebody says, well, bro, how do I get rid of the anxiety in my life? How do I, how do I uh, uh, get rid of all the doubt in my life? How do I get rid of all the anxiety? How do I get rid of all the, the thoughts of what bad's going to happen, the dread? How do I get it all... It's real simple. you got to flood it with love. you just got to flood that cavity of your heart, your mind. you got to flood it with love. 
That's how Jesus got through life, when he's knowing, you know, they're going to kill me soon. How do you deal with that? You love them. How do you get through knowing that bad stuff is going? How do you get through knowing the world is crying? How do you get through? You flood it with love. How do we know that? Because even from the cross, when Jesus dies, what's the last thing he looks down at those people who just killed him? Say, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's how you keep feeling secure in the middle of a world or a life that's not secure. I mean, think about what's fixing to come in 2024. We got the election coming. You want to talk about a crazy year that's fixing to come, folks. And I don't care which side of the aisle or who you believe in, red, blue, green, I don't care. I'm just telling you, it's fixed. It's going to be, it's going to be, you're going to need to get some popcorn. Because it's going to be a show coming this next year. It's going to get that way. But the question is, is it going to drag me with it? Am I going to be just as angry, just as upset? Am I going to be just as fearful? Am, am, am I going to... Therefore, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out for... For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in... He even goes so far as to say, listen, if you're, if you're dealing with this... Your problem is you don't have enough love in your life. If you're, if you're struggling with this, you don't have enough love flowing in your life. You don't have enough feeling that, hey, good's going to happen. Something good is going to take place. You're always living from the mindset of dread. One interpretation says it this way, fear hath torment. To constantly feel fear is like torment all the time, always struggling with it. So let me see if I can explain it this way. So Brother Lott, how then do I get from where I'm at to where I want to be? I want, I want you to do this for me. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think. Don't look at the person beside you because they can't do this for you. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think if there was a 100% chance of getting to the life that I want, the life that I see myself living, the place that I see myself. Can you see it? Can, can you see yourself daily, how you live your life? How, do, do you see yourself where, where you're going to work? Do you see yourself... Okay, now open your eyes. Here's the problem. That's called a ceiling. Now, I need you to close your eyes again and do the same thing with me, but we're going to do it differently. Now, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think of what would have to change in my life for that to happen. What would have to change in my life for that to happen? Now, open your eyes. That's where fear comes. Fear, fear stays in our lives, not because we can't achieve it, but because if we did, what friends would I not have? What would be different about my life? What, what would change if I, if I said, I want to draw closer to God? Okay, that's my, my ceiling. 
I, I want to bust through the ceiling. I want to be closer to God next year than I ever have. Okay, well, you're going to start getting up at 6 o'clock. Well, brother Lord, I'm not a morning person. I didn't ask you. I said, you want to bust the ceiling? You're going to have to start reading your Bible. Well, I, I, I read it, but I don't understand it. Well, then get a version you understand. Get it on CD. Listen to somebody's ever. You're going to have to, if you're going to draw closer to God, you're going to have to decide, I want to break the ceiling. But here's the problem. To break the ceiling means i got to push through the fears of where I'm at and stand where I've never stood. I want a better marriage than I've ever had. Well, good. Y'all going to start praying together every night? Husband, you're going to sit there over your wife and lay your hand on her every night and bless her and pray that tomorrow she's going to have the greatest day of her life. And wife, are you going to start laying your hand on your husband and praying for him every night and saying, hey, I'm blessing my husband and I'm believing he's going to have the greatest and he's going to be the greatest leader of this fight. Bro, I don't even like to break ceilings. It's not, it's not that we don't have the information or we can't, I can't show you how. The question is, is if I showed you, would fear keep you where you are? Or would the desire to not die here, would love, would the desire to be what God wanted? Because Jesus done said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say, I was going to make you have it. He said, I've, I want you to have it. The question is, do you want it? Are you willing to, to push past the fear? Because this love is what drives out the fear that gives you the courage to move to where you wouldn't move. Any time in my life that I've ever broke through a ceiling in my life, that was the ceiling. Man, I ain't no way I can get there. There's no way. And God says, do you think I love you? Yes, I know you love me. Do you, do you think I'm for you? Yeah, you're always for me. You're, if, 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 then, then, then go. God, if I go there, it's going to be, I know it, but you've got you to gotta believe that there is better than here. Go in your Bibles to Psalms 46 and 5. Here's what David says, who busted a lot of barriers. David was started out as a little shepherd boy. He wasn't even, didn't even, wasn't even respected by his own family. Wasn't even invited to the party when they were anointing the king. His dad forgot him. This is where he started, taking care of sheep in the back. He kept breaking barriers, kept breaking barriers, kept breaking through. You, you'll never be able to be anybody, David. Yes, I can. You can't kill the giant, David. Yes, I can. You, you, can't, you can't be a king. Yes, I can. You, you can't. And here's what David says. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. He's talking, about, he's talking about his people. God will help her when morning dawns. He says, listen to me. God is within her. She will not not fail. God will help her break out of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word fortress there is a safe place. What David said, you want to know how I chase after a giant? I believe God loves me. And I believe he won't fail me. You know how, you know how I, I take on battles and situations that, that are too big for me? Because I believe God loves me. And I believe he won't fail me. When your parents 
see you go through something when you were a kid? What was their reaction? First thing is to hug you. Could they always change the situation? Could they always fix everything? Could they always make everything go away? No. But they wanted you to know one thing for sure. Listen, I love you. I'm going to be right here. And you're not going to go through this by yourself. We're going to get through this. If, if you don't allow God to do that like you would tell a child to do that, then you're never going to have the confidence to believe that you can make it. What if, what if a child was going through something and you just crossed your arms and stood back and said, you'll make it, you'll be all right. What do they think? You don't care. The first thing God says is, listen, perfect love is what drives out the fear that keeps you from pursuing the thing that in your mind, when you close your eyes and believe you're supposed to be, that's what keeps you from there. Is this okay? I, I don't know if it makes sense to you, but it, I know I'm doing some more, more psychiatry stuff on you a little bit tonight, so I'm sorry. But, but I want you to realize that, that, that some of it's not just, hey, we just need to pray more or we just need to believe more. Some of it is allowing God to do what God does that nobody else can do. Allowing Him to embrace you and drive out the fear that keeps you from believing that you can make it, which keeps you from moving toward it. So what we end up doing, we end up sitting in church. I don't know. I don't know if I should do this. And if somebody says, hey, let's, 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 let's just pray. Let God to, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to go to, I don't want to do none of that. I don't want to. Well, you're shutting off the one avenue that God says I use to give you the confidence to make it. Okay, so, so go with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. So to have this confidence to allow that we have to allow God's love then to flood before we can ask the questions. So here's what it says. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He... Paul says, listen to me, when I'm writing to you, the first thing I want you to remind yourself about God is how much He loved you and how much He loves you now. What's the first thing that happens when we start to go through a problem? What's the first thing that in our mind that happens? We think, I don't know if God cares. God says that's the first thing that has to be fault. That's the first thing. You may be sitting here tonight and you may be thinking, I don't even know if God is. I don't know. This thing is not God's. I don't see God working in my. God says, listen to me. If Paul was here tonight, he said, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. He said, what did God do first to you? When you were away from him and didn't even like him and, and cursed him or didn't believe in him, what's the first thing he did? He said, by his grace and mercy, he came and said, that's all I'm here. He said, he said, don't forget, that's the first thing God did. God, the first thing didn't do is forgive your sins. The first thing God did was not just say you're okay. 
The first thing God ever did when He spoke into your heart was to tell you He loved you. Was to tell you it's not, it's not you that's making this happen, it's me that's making this happen. You didn't ask for this relationship, I asked you to be in this relationship. Well, how do I know, Brother Lot, if I hadn't fouled that up? It's real simple. If you constantly are in your mind thinking, well, you know all I did, or you know, you know what I used to be, or you know where I came from, or you know, you know what that is? That's you thinking God did not know who you were when he said, I loved you. That's you trying to convince yourself that God, God really didn't know me. He just, he just accidentally bumped into me at church one day. No. God knew you when he formed you in your mother's womb. He's watched you through your good things and your bad things. He knows the talents that he's given to you. He's watched you all along the way. And that day when he came up to you, not you coming to him, but, but maybe it was a song on the radio. Maybe somebody preached a sermon. Maybe, but that was the moment God says, now, can we talk? And the first thing he did was say, I know everything. I know you better than you know yourself. And I want you to know something. I love you. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Listen to what He says. He didn't just do this, but listen, verse 6. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Christ. He says not only did He love us so much that He forgave us, but He says in His mind, God says, in my mind, you're seated with my Son. When God looks down at you, he says, I, I look at you and I see you seated right here with Jesus. Oh, no, Lord, I'm, I'm not, not me. I'm, I'm waiting. No, that's how I see you. I loved you. I forgave you. I redeemed you. And I placed you there. So let perfect love Drive out all the doubt, the fear, the insecurity, the anxiety of what you think might be around the corner. Because God is already around the corner before you get there. Now, if I can get this, then I can ask the question. I'm just thinking. So I'm going to share a few things with you, and you can write these down or listen to the CD or on podcast later and get it yourself. Number one, if, if, if I'm fixing to do this and, and I'm just thinking, and I know that God loves me, and I know He's seated me, and I know that, that He's for me, and I know I can get past this because... I'm not afraid of that anymore. Yeah, life will change. Yeah, it's going to be different. But it's going to be okay because I'm going to break through. Number one, what do I cry about? Look at the person beside you and say, what do you get emotional about? See, I'm going to help you get through your ceiling because first off, you've got to find out what it is that you know 
And I, thought, I, I used to think that was so dumb. I, I remember I had to meet one of my, my, my life coaches one time, and, 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 and when, I, when I met him, first thing he asked me, he said, he said let's just talk. And I'm like, what you want to talk about? And he just started bringing up topics. Man, he just started bringing up all these different topics and just throwing stuff. And I'd bring one topic, and I'd go to the next topic. And, and then he just stopped and said, that's all I need. I said, what do you mean that's all you need? He said, Tim, when you talk about this specific thing, And in that time, it was years ago, and I talked about doing a pastor's retreat and doing camps and doing, he said, he said, every time you bring that up, every time it comes around back to that, he said, you smile. He said, and when you start talking about it, you get teary-eyed. And I thought, because you can't fake what it is that really means something to you and something that God's put in you and says, that's where I want to be. You may mention a thousand things. I, I probably mentioned a thousand things to him that day and just stuff we were talking about. But when I tapped into that, he's like, that's it. It may be, it may be your marriage. You may talk about, oh, I'm doing good at work. I'm doing good. Well, tell me about how your wife. Oh, man, that's, that's the. What, what, what's, what's he saying? That's, that's the thing that I know I'm supposed to be here, and I'm not here, and it, and it touches me every time. And what we get good at is we get good at avoiding it or not talking about it or not bringing it up or, or walking out of the room when somebody else bumps it or anything like that. But what we've got to get good at is that God loves us, and if he's put it in us and he's desired for us, then we've got to find a way to say, you know what, I'm breaking that ceiling. So what is it? that makes you cry. My daughter right now is in, in Mobile, struggling through college, like most kids do. And why? why? I mean, just come home and get a job. But ever so often, whenever we go out of town, we'll go to aquariums. We go to Georgia, Atlanta, we go to aquariums. We go to anywhere, we go to aquarium. You know why? Because no matter where I go, that's what makes her excited. She, she can walk into an aquarium and she can see people working. She's like, that's what I want to do. That's what makes her teary-eyed. That's what, that's, what, that's what touches her. That's what, now, will she ever break that ceiling? I don't know. She'll have to allow the fears, the doubts, the, the, the people that say, you're not smart enough, you can't do it, you're not able. She's got to fight through all the, the things that could short change her and she could just quit and go get a job. And do. She's got to fight through all of that and believe that the thing that I really want, God wants too. Number two, what do you dream about? If you don't know, ask the person beside you because they get sick of hearing you talking about it. All you do is ask them. What is it I'm always talking about? And, and you're going to say, you're always talking about one day going here or, or, or buying this kind of car or, or one day you hope we have this kind of dog or we hope, and, and, and they'll just look at you like, I'm, I, can, I can tell you right off what you're going to tell me because it's always, it's always what you're thinking about. It's your favorite searches. So what is it? That you dream about. What do you dream? That's why I told you a while ago, close your eyes, and if there was no limitations, where are you? 
Where are you? What do you dream about? What, is, what, what would make, not that it makes life perfect, because I hate to break it to you, if you break through this ceiling and you, that becomes your floor, you're going to look up and guess what there's going to be? Another ceiling. So just, I'm just letting you know, I, I broke through a bunch of them, so just letting you know, it's, it's a life journey. It's not a, oh, I broke through, I can sit down. No, no, it's, it's going to get you going. But you're going to get real tired of sitting on this floor for 10, 15, 20 years. You're going to want to break through that ceiling sooner or later. And so what do you dream about? What is it that excites you? What is it that, that man, that's what I'd like to do? And through all these years, 30-something years, I've broke through a lot of ceilings. But there's still ceilings that I, I, and there's some old ones that I still want to redig up. I still want to go get a motorcycle again. I still want to get a Jeep one day. I still want a house by the lake. I can name a thousand things. Will I get them all? No, only the things that make me cry and only the things that I dream about and only things that I'm willing to pay a price for and, and willing to sacrifice. Some things that somebody at least will look at me and say, well, just go do it then. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to bite that off. I don't want to hurt that bad. But there's some things that if she said, well, go do it then. Okay. So she has to be careful. So it, it's an understanding that what is it that I dream about? Number three, what do you sing about? What, what makes you happy? Sing happy when you think about it. If, if you're some young girl and, and, and boys are your thing, I mean, you're just eat up with boys. It ain't, it ain't going to be a big surprise that if the guy you like texts you, your mom's in the kitchen, and you come walking through the kitchen, <laughs> grinning ear to ear, she's going to be like, what's done happen? Why? Because what do you sing about? What brings you out of the mully grubs? What just a glimpse of something, what is it that makes you think, wow, that's possible. That's possible. Number four. When was the first, last time that I did anything new for the first time? In other words, when was the last time you took a step in a direction that you knew that's where I'm supposed to go, but you never did it before? Go, go with me in your Bibles to Isaiah 43 and 19. I know I'm skipping a lot of scriptures because I've got scriptures for every one of these I'm asking you. But Isaiah 43 and 19, go there with me. Behold, I am doing a, a new thing. This is God talking. And he shows up in our lives all the time. It's usually right after I finish the old thing. And he says, behold, Tim, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the... Is there, is there something that, it, that, that you're crying about? Is there something that, that you're laughing about? Is there something that... That's stirring you? Is there something you want to be better at? Is there something you want to accomplish? 
then look because I'm going to open avenues. And you've got to be willing to step through the avenue. I'll, I'll show it to you this way, just like the camp. The camp is the latest, so it's, it's the easiest one to describe. It sounds like we just decided one day to build a camp. That's not what happened. Not even close. I had a dream, a spark. And it came because Caitlin came home from camp, and the camp that she was at, a drunk guy had knocked on the door of their dorms. They were staying at Lake Teocotta, nothing wrong with that, but it's not the place to have 200 kids stuffed in a hotel with everybody else in the whole county. It's just not a good environment. There was no swimming pool. They all swam at the same beach with everybody else. That was not good. And so I'm thinking, I don't want to hear this. I don't hear nothing about this. I don't. And my wife and my daughter comes home, Caitlin, and, and she's like, Dad, let me tell you what happened. And she starts telling me what happened. Guess what? God says, you got to fix that. And I'm like, oh, don't say that. No, somebody else needs to fix that. Put that on somebody else's church. Our church is doing just fine. We are blowing and going. We're doing good. There's Nacho Libre. We do good. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But it's... it's God just wouldn't let me let just just Tim. And I was like, God, I got no doors. I got I got I got no way to do this. No way. He said, just mention it to your church. Thinking, well, what harm could that do? So I do. I mention it to the church. I say, guys, I've got this crazy, and I made it clear. I got this crazy thought, and and I know this is crazy, and I'm just telling you what God's put on my brain. And and I've said it, so good. We're done with it. Well, the next week, one of the guys comes to me, Jim Reed. And, and he owns the place next. He's been working on his place for 15, 20 years. Well, I've been working on this place for 15 or 20 years. And he comes to me and says, hey, we're fixing to sell and we're fixing to move now, our, bro, our son. And God laid it on my heart to help you guys. And we're going to renovate the whole pool. And we're going we're to redo all that. And we're going to give you a price on all this that's going to fit to where you don't have to worry. And, and, and I'm like, yes, we're there. I went to the board. I said, board, look, look at this. Man, it's going to be great. And they're like, ain't enough land. We can't do it. We need more land. Unless you can find more land, we can't do this. Well, there's only one more spot of land there. Ain't no other spot. You can't go across the road. We, we're there. So I found out who owned that. Went to see them. They said, no, we're going to give it to our grandkids. But as I'm leaving, the lady said, well, if we had better land, we might swap with you. And I'm thinking, I just want your land. I got no land. If I had land, I wouldn't be asking you for land. Rocks on. God's like, you got your answer. I got no answer. It rocks on. Well, I'm driving to Linda's mother's house because her mother is dying of cancer, and it's one of the last times I'll see her. And as I'm driving along, there's this old wooden sign nailed to a tree, land for sale. And I'm thinking, God's like, there's your answer. I'm like, that's not an answer. He said, call the numbers. So I call, I talk to the guy. He said, Tim, it was like 60 acres. We've been selling off lots and everything off this thing. It was a widow who has it. I said, well, just see what's left. Turns out there's 15 acres, 300-something feet of frontage. It's, it's some of the best spot of the whole land they had. 
He said, I don't know why this hasn't sold. I said, I don't know why this hasn't sold either. I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll take it. If, if the other people talk to the other people, sure, we'll swap for that. I'm like, yeah, I would too. I don't even want to sell it. I'd rather keep that. Build my house there and just let the church forget the dream. Can I talk? I, I, can I tell you how, how it works? It sounds like, boy, Pastor Lot just, no, no, it's crazy. It's, it's like, there's a ceiling. God, I got to get through this. You believe I love you? Yeah, I know you love me. Then push. Keep, come on, you're going to get through that. See, I'm going to give you a little way. You're going to find a crack there. You're going you're to get there and you're going to push up through that. And Lord only knows to tell you the story of how we built it all in four months and it rained the most that year it ever has rained. And we had 14 different crews I hear two days before kids were showing up in April. 14 different crews from electrical to, to plumbing, laying boards across the people that's laying the cement. You can't get them to work together any other time, but they're all working together. Nobody fussing to get this one thing done. Don't tell me. God can't blow up your ceiling. Because He loves you too much. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. And he knows that fear is the only thing that can hold you and keep you where you're staying. Fear of failing. Fear of not being what I thought. Fear. But if you finally get to the point to where you say, where I'm at just ain't cutting it. Then God is saying, look up. I'm giving you a Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth but you do not perceive it. That makes so much sense now. It didn't make much sense then, but it, when I read it now, I just laugh and I'm like, yeah, I get you now, God. Ha. I will make a way, Tim, in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. I will make a way for you if you let me. And if you'll go ahead and just make the step. Now, what good is that one step? It's not going to fix it, but it's, it's one step. And then guess what? I'm going to give you another step. And I'm gonna, before long, you're going to look up and you're going to think, wow, I've already broke through where I never thought possible. Number five. What one thing, if you did it every day for the next 365 days, would make a drastic difference in your life? What one thing, if you did it every day, would make a drastic difference? I can tell you mine right now, and, it, and it's the hardest thing that I'm, I'm struggling with. God gave me one kind of like few sentences about my life while I was on my last prayer time away. And he said, Tim, I want you to read this to yourself every day. And it even starts out, to Timothy Lot. That's how he told me to write it. Just like I'm telling you this every day, Tim, and it, and it talks about different areas of my life. And he says, I want you to read it to yourself every day. And I'd like to tell you, oh man, every morning I get up and read it. Some mornings I forget. Some mornings I get halfway through the day. And it's amazing the things on that list are the very things that rise up and cause problems. And God's like, did you speak to me today? Did you tell me what I was going to do today, Tim? Did you remind me? I'm like, no. I've even took a picture of it on my phone. So when I forget the list, I got it on my phone. I just pull it up. 
And God says, for the next year, I want you to just keep reminding me of this one sentence. Just keep telling me what I'm supposed to do. Keep reminding me of what I told you I would accomplish. Do you know what the one thing is? If you said there's one thing I could do for the next three, maybe it's just pull up the Bible app and do a devotion every morning. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's to get up at a certain time or pray before I go to bed every night for everything. And, and, or I don't know, but I promise you this, whatever it is God is calling you to, it's important. It may not seem important. It may not look important. It, you may not think it's important, but listen to me. It is vital to allowing God to break through on whatever it is. It could be as simple as you've got to forgive somebody for 365 days every day when they cross your mind. Lord, I just want you to know I don't hold nothing again. I'm forgiven. I don't care what it is. You've got to decide what the thing is or what action you need to make that will change it. Number six, if I continue in the path I'm walking, where will be my destination a year from now? If you don't change anything, keep doing what you're doing, and you were here next year at this time, where would you be? If nothing changes, if you just, I hope it gets better. We're just believing it gets better. But you don't do anything, you don't, you don't change anything, you don't. Where do you think you will be in one year from now? If you have to keep thinking about what you're thinking about, wrestling about what you're wrestling, and nothing changes. I don't know about you, but many times when I do that and when I start to walk through this, that scares me. I mean, 365 days from now, where would I be if I keep doing what I'm doing right now? It's usually not good. I'm not going to be more encouraged and will be more discouraged. What things, number seven, what things are my friends and my family then going to learn from my lifestyle over these next years? What, what will my friends and family think about me a year from now when they say, Tim Lott, man, he... What? He don't ever get nothing done. He talks a good game. He... He tries... And fails, mother, but he tries. What would somebody say about you if you continue on the road you're on and you don't work at what's eating you? Marriages don't end because of one bad day or one bad week. It's because they keep looking at a ceiling and nobody does anything to get out of the ceiling. Life doesn't get bad because you just have a bad day. Life gets bad because you keep looking up every day at the same ceiling. And eventually, I can carry you to Walmart right now. I can carry you to wherever you want to be. And I can tell you what's holding them right there. You could tell them to your blue in the face, man, you can change. Man, you could, no, no, it's just, that's just the way I am. They've done accepted the ceiling. They've looked at it so long that they cannot be convinced that it can be broke.
Number nine, or number eight. How does my lifestyle at home, how does my lifestyle at church, how does my lifestyle at work compare to who I really am when nobody's around? I have to fight this probably harder than any of you. It is, it is one of the greatest battles through my life to speak, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be, and to be able to walk in the door, close the door, sit in my recliner, and say to myself, it's going to be okay. How many of us finally walk in the door, sit down, finally, <sighs> you all right? I don't know. You going to make it? If I don't, just bury my feet down. It, 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 it's amazing how if we're not careful, we can speak to everybody. We prepare, but we can't tell ourselves. But it's not until we can be that person, even when nobody else is around. The Bible says that David encouraged himself. Here, here's, here's what, the, go with me to Hebrews 13 and 3, or 8. Hebrews 13 and 8. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same when? Yesterday, today, and when does he change? So who changes? Me. He looks down and he's like, we just talked two hours ago. Yeah, but Lord, it just seemed like that last thing just got, I, I'm the same. I, what I said two hours ago, what I said two years ago, what I said is the same as today and it'll be the same tomorrow. Number 10. Go with me to Psalms 116 and 15. Psalms 116 and 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the... Now that sounds like a weird one. How does that work? Well, let me tell you how it works. I asked the question, just a thought. I'm just thinking. If my life were to end today, what would the preacher say at my funeral? If you died right now, and somebody called me tomorrow and said, Pastor Lott, we just, family is wanting to know if you do Susie's funeral. Hope nobody here is named Susie. I wasn't trying to predict anything. The question is, what would God tell me to say? 
So you don't even have to be victorious. You don't, you don't have to be what the world calls victorious. You don't have to be what the world calls successful. But can somebody stand up at the end of your life, if it ended today, and say, let me tell you about them. They started here. And man, let me tell you something. They ended here. Let me tell you about their life. That's what I got to do with my dad a short time ago. By all accounts, when you would look at my dad's life, he, he never built no thousand-person church. He never became some mega preacher. He never became any retired after 42 years of pastoring and sold parts out of his pickup for the last 10 years to pay bills until he finally retired. But see, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know that my dad was one of 11 kids born in the Delta. He was a sharecropper. Up until my dad, the highest education of any of his brothers and sisters was the sixth grade. If you had a sixth grade education and a strong back, in those days you could, you could go get a job. You lie on your application, tell them you're 15 when you're 13 or 14, you was good. They'd give you a pickup and sell community coffee driving down the road. My dad had a speech impediment. Always bothered him. Always felt like he wasn't good at talking or able to speak. And I'm sure in school, as he talked about, he was picked at because of his speech impediment. And Dad, one thing he had was he was an athlete. And so it, it, through athletics, he was able to graduate high school and, and, and then get a scholarship to a junior college, got a two-year degree from a junior college, became the first college graduate of his family. Met my mom at camp meeting. Two years later, or two months later, they were married. That's courtship right there, buddy. That's called love at first sight. Spent 42 years raising kids, pastoring. If you didn't know his story, you wouldn't know how far he came to where if you saw his kids today, Saw his daughter today, saw his grandkids today, saw you wouldn't know how far he came from where he started. God doesn't care where you finish. It's just what would somebody say about you? Would they have to talk about, well, you know, so-and-so would have been somebody, had bad parents, and he had a bad life, and he had a bad this, and he had bad breaks, and he had bad this, and he had... Or would they say, you know, all those things fought against him. All those things were stacked against him. But not one of them stopped him. They just kept breaking ceilings and going further than anybody ever thought they could. When I die one day, that's the story I want somebody telling of me. Tim Lott, 
D student in high school. No college education. Not the sharpest anything in anything. But man, that sucker just kept breaking ceilings. Why? Because he knew God loved him. And he knew if God gave him a crack in the door, he was going to put his foot in it. And he was going to try to wedge his way through it. I don't know about you, but if I die tomorrow, that's what I want him to say. Whether it looks big or small, I did the best with everything I had. And God did the rest. Will you stand? So I'll ask you the question that I began with, seemed like two hours ago. What do you call safety? All that I said, just to get back to that one statement that we began, what is safe to you? Is it all the locks? Is it making, making sure I'm safe? Making sure I don't do anything or, or draw any attention? Is it just go through life and nobody, no bumps, as little bumps as possible? Or does safety to you mean what it meant to David? He is my shield. He is my fortress. He is my cleft in the rock. He is my strong arm. When David talks about him, he never talks about who he was. He always says who God is. And he lived every day of his life, not perfect, not he stumbled and bumbled like the rest of us. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because if you'd ask David, David, what do you trust in? He would write this and he would say, I'm surrounded by mighty men. I'm surrounded by people that the Bible says jumps in pits with lions. And he said, but I don't trust in any of them. There's only one I trust in. Who's given me the strength to drive and ride through a troop. It is God Almighty. It is my Father, the one who says I loved you. And have caused you to be seated with my son Jesus. He said, that's who I trust in. And it gives me the courage to do what I wouldn't do on my own. I don't know what that ceiling looks like to you. I don't know what it is. But I guarantee you know when you hit it. You know when you look up and you're like, man, we're here, but we're not supposed to be here. Whether it's your job, your marriage, your life, 
whatever it is, if you would just come to the realization that God loves you. If you got anybody that loves you, that's the one you want loving you. The one who says, nothing is impossible for me. That's the one you want to say, would you just wrap your arms around me, Lord, and remind me of how strong you are and how you're never going to fail me and how even though I'm scared sometimes, you drive out that fear because your love just floods in. Give me the courage to, to step where I wouldn't step, to dream what I wouldn't dream, and to believe for what I wouldn't believe. Maybe it's a family member that, maybe it's whatever it is to you. God sent me by tonight to tell you, it's not too big for him. And it won't be too scary for you if you'll let him embrace you, push out the fear with his love, and then take the courage to step toward it. Father, with every head bowed tonight, Father, whoever that person is I'm speaking to, I speak that tonight you would drive out the fear that's been in them, what might happen, could happen. Always afraid of what's fixing to hit the floor. God, that's not what you called us to. You called us to realize that we are encamped by angels that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life, that you go before us and your spirit makes a way. Father, we are covered on every side. We just need to trust you for what seems like impossible to us, but isn't for you. For whoever that is in this room tonight, Lord, I pray that when they go home tonight, they won't think of the problem the same way that when they go to bed tonight, they pull up beside their bed, they get on their knees and they say, God, this stuff scares me, but I know it doesn't scare you. Will you wrap your arms around me? Will you just, before I go to bed, will you remind me how much you love me? You knew me before all this started. You knew me back when, when I was nobody, when I was lost and dead. And you knew me and you still loved me. And you didn't call me into this to drop me now. For whatever you started, you said you would finish. So I trust you. God, I hope they have that moment tonight. I hope they have that moment right now. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.